0: Welcome, my name is Michael Ascetta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. We have finally made it. This is the episode where we're going to talk about levelers. Now, we've talked about placaters. Placators. We've talked about Blamers. We've talked about Computers, and we've talked about Distractors. If you have not listened to those episodes, you need to go back and listen to those. None of today's episode will make sense if you have not listened to the other episodes. That being said, this is the time to pause it. Go listen to those and then come back. If you don't want to go listen to those and you just want to listen to today's episode, that's totally fine. I'm going to do my best to sum up all of those other mindsets and those personality uh, traits, and see how we can relate those to a leveler. Now, what is a leveler? I want you to think about the most level-headed individual, the best communicator, whoever in your life that may be. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a friend, an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa. Think about the best communicator you've ever met. They are calm. They're level-headed. They never get, you know, freaked out. They are just always perfect. How am going to use the word perfect. Now, a leveler is the best individual to train a dog. And every single dog trainer who is worth their weight in salt is a leveler. There are absolutely dog trainers out in the world that are not levelers. And in fact, they might be blamers, or they might be distractors. And if you listen to the distractor episode, you know that that is the furthest thing from a leveler. A distractor should rarely be working with a dog, if ever. And if you're a distractor, you need to move out of that mindset into a more productive mindset. A dog trainer could be a placator a computer, a blamer, a distractor, or a leveler. That is what we want. If you're striving to have any good relationship with your dog and any successful training plan, the first goal is to get your mind right. You have to be a leveler in order for that to happen. Think back to the person I told you to think about. Have them in your mind? Good. That individual would be perfect training a dog. If you can see that, then you understand how a leveler works. If you think there's no way, then that person probably isn't a leveler. A leveler solves the problem, always. Always looks to solve the problem. If you had a grandpa who was crafty and could fix literally anything, most likely a leveler. At least in that moment. And we could change. Right? Mindsets can change. You could be a leveler one day and a distractor the next day. But on average, you should strive to be a leveler every day, especially when you're working with your dog. Okay. Now that individual looks to solve a problem. Whatever the problem may be, they are looking to solve it. Regardless of whether they have the tools, whether it's their fault, whether it's not their fault, whether they know the information or not. They are problem solvers. They are problem solvers because if they don't solve the problem, they don't feel complete. They're like, ah, man, like, I didn't do what I could have done. Okay. Now, a leveler will use the placater, blamer, and computer mindsets to help them in an appropriate way. What do I mean by that? A placator is an individual who takes on responsibility. That is what a leveler does constantly. They take responsibility for everything. They absorb the responsibility, not because they want to avoid conflict. That's what a placator does. A placator doesn't want any conflict and therefore will take the blame and say, oh, you know, it's my fault. I did it. A leveler will take the blame but simply because then they can do something about it. If they don't have the responsibility, they can't do anything. Think about a time in your life where you didn't take the responsibility for something. You almost feel helpless, right? If in my life I didn't take responsibility for the house being a mess, oh, well, the house is just a a disaster. Am I actually a leveler? Am I blaming the house? It doesn't matter in that moment because it's not solving the problem. I'm definitely not being a leveler. But it's not solving the problem. What needs to be done is the house needs to be clean. But if I blame the house or I blame the family members in my house of why the house isn't clean, there's no way for me to fix it. I'm going to eventually give up. Oh, well, the house isn't clean because everybody else But if I take on the responsibility, oh, I do a terrible job of not cleaning the house. That still doesn't solve the problem. If I take it one step further, I don't clean the house and that's why it's a mess, I'm going to go clean the house now. Now the house is clean. Now I can take the responsibility of it. I can work through it. I have control over it. I don't have control over it if I don't take responsibility first. So I have to take on that responsibility, but I can go into conflict. I don't have to avoid conflict. Now, a leveler will also be a blamer if it's appropriate. If it truly 100% is not the individual's fault, they will blame the particular thing that it is its fault in that situation. But still, they will take responsibility and try to solve it. If I was late to an event, to a meeting, and it was because my car broke down. I could blame my car. I could, right? My, my car broke down. I could not see it coming, but my car broke down. But a leveler would say, my car broke down, I immediately fixed it, or I did the best I could, or I called an Uber, and then I got to you. They still did everything in their power to be responsible and take on the responsibility even though they could still blame the car, right? They know the car has to get fixed. So they blame the car with a certain weight so that they can then go get it fixed. If an individual in your family is the one that's ruining your dog's good behavior, they're feeding snacks underneath the table or they're doing something that everyone agreed we're not gonna do, we're not gonna let the dog on the couch, but they're letting the dog on the couch, you can blame that individual. You can say, hey. You are creating a problem that we all have to fix now. And then you can have a conversation with them and say, hey, I'll take responsibility for you doing that because maybe we didn't set the expectation well enough for you. Or maybe there's something else going on. So a leveler will use the blamer mindset as long as it's appropriate and it's not used to avoid the conflict on themselves. They can be a leveler and they can blame other things as long as it actually makes sense and it still works towards solving the problem. Now a leveler can also use the computer mindset and this is where they really link well together. A leveler, again, I'm going to drive this point home, they are looking to solve the problem and what better way to solve a problem than being analytical. Looking at the whole picture, all of the variables, measuring data, and finding out where we went wrong, what do we need to do, and how we can improve the fastest. That is what a computer does. They just spend so much time writing all that stuff down and trying to figure all that out, and they don't actually do anything. A leveler takes all of that good stuff and then goes to do it. That's perfect. It's all about solving the problem. They go through all of those different mindsets that we've talked about besides the distractor, right? Distractors and levelers are opposite. So is where the distractor will use blaming and computing to avoid taking on responsibility, and they will avoid solving the problem, and they don't want anything to do with it. A leveler is the opposite. Levelers are also level-headed, They are calm during conflict. They do not let their emotions get the best of them. They do not let themselves become unreasonable. They do not lash out. They are very calm and collected. I like to think of like a Navy SEAL or military personnel, right? Everything around them could be falling apart. And most of the time, they pause for a moment, they think about what they need to do, and then they just move Right, there's no time to panic right now. There's no time for screaming, there's no time for like, oh my god, I better die. There's no time for that. Instead, they take action, they start moving, they start acting, they start doing, they start ordering, they start whatever they're doing. But it's clear and it's level headed. If you're working with your dog and you are getting frustrated, you are all over the place, you can't think clearly you're worried about something, you're thinking about dinner, you're thinking about, uh, you know, oh man, if I don't get this right, my dog's going to destroy the couch again. If you're thinking about all of that, you're not 100% in tune with your dog and you're not thinking clearly. It's a mental effort to do this. And I'm sure individuals who are at that high caliber of Navy SEAL and uh, military personnel they could say that that is not where they started. They panicked. In boot camp, they were all over the place. They didn't know what to do. And as they got more comfortable under stress, it became easier. And that's why dog trainers are oftentimes levelers. They aren't really shook by a dog doing something because we've seen it so many times. I've worked with over 12,000 dogs. I've seen so many dogs that I know exactly what's going to happen 95% of the time. Sure, there's 5% of the time a dog does something completely weird. But when you see so many dogs and you work with them so often, you know what your dog's going to do. You know what dogs are going to do in general. So the more you work with your dog, the faster you will understand what their patterns are, what they're thinking, where they're going, what actions they're going to take, and what problems they're going to do. That is probably... The number one advice I could give to any dog owner. Start writing down everything your dog does. From where they're moving to, how they're moving, what you did right before they started doing their thing. What is their patterns? Because once you pick up on those patterns, it becomes 10 times easier to work with them and fix any problem behaviors you're having. If you're having a stressed out dog who knows how to get out of their kennel, And at 8 o'clock every single day, they start crying. And you know that because you're writing it down. And then by 11 o'clock, they're breaking out of the kennel. Well, now you know, one, I should probably do more crate training. Two, at 8 o'clock, I might start training and slowly build up the time so that he's comfortable and relaxed by the time 11 o'clock comes. Or take him out before 11 o'clock comes so he doesn't practice the bad behavior. The only way you could do that is if you wrote it down. And that's the computer mindset coupled with the leveler because the leveler looks to solve the problem when it comes to training a leveler has a couple of questions that they ask themselves number one whose fault is it actually whose fault is it actually is it me is it the environment or is it my dog those are the three big ones Is it me, is it the environment, or is it my dog? If it's me, what do I need to change, right? How can I, this is the second question they ask themselves, how can I change the outcome? First question, whose fault is it actually? Me, okay. What can I do to change the outcome? If it's the environment, what can I do to change the outcome? If it's my dog, what can I do to change the outcome? Either way, it's what can I do? Because my dog can't do anything by themselves. They need to be educated. They need to be taught. They need to learn how to exist in this complex world that we have together. And if it's the environment, I you know the environment's not going to do anything for me. I have to do something. So what can I do to change the outcome? That's question number two. Question number three. Is something going on with my dog or the environment that I can't see? If you're an avid listener of the podcast, we've talked about the five influences of behavior. Two of which are something you have no control over. Genetics and chemistry. Right, You you can't do anything about that. And the third one, health. You can make sure they're healthy and happy. But oftentimes, it's a delayed response. Right, Unless your dog is bleeding or very lethargic all of a sudden. You bring them to the vet. Okay, there's something wrong. Oftentimes, it's a very slow deterioration of your dog because they get older. So as your dog gets older, they might not want to do things the same way. My dog, Hawk, he doesn't like sitting. What? I thought you trained your dog all the time. I do. And he responds to the sit. And I use it very sparingly because he doesn't like sitting. And this is because he has a problem with his iliac solat, which is a muscle in the hip flexor. Right, stand up, put your leg forward, straight, just pick your leg up. That muscle you use to pick your foot up, your leg up, that is the muscle that he has a problem with. So as he sits, he constricts it, and then he has to push to stand up, and it's uncomfortable for him, so he'd prefer not to do it. So I have him do other things. I have him down, he can do that. He can roll over easily, those kinds of things. They don't require such tight constriction in that leg. So if I was angry with my dog because he's not sitting and I was a different type of trainer than I am and I was correcting him for not sitting simply because he didn't want to in that moment because he was uncomfortable, that would be a jerk move. That's a terrible trainer because I didn't look at the whole picture. This is not saying that's what I did. That is not what I did. I was like, why aren't you sitting? What's going on? And then through doing other things, I realized that his hip... Had hurt. My first thought was, whose fault is it actually? Is it my fault? Am I asking him to sit in environments that he's not comfortable in? Am I asking him to sit when I don't have anything to reward him with and he's learned that? Right? Whose fault is it actually? So I first take the responsibility myself. What can I do to change the outcome? Okay, I'm gonna do more training. I'm going to set him up for success. Ooh. The more reps I do, the less he wants to sit. What's going on here? Is he getting bored? Is there something going on with my dog? Or, environment, I can't see. I don't have X ray vision. I can't see the muscles in his leg. So I eased up on training. I gave him time to relax. We worked on some other things. And while playing fetch, he started limping. And I said, oh, okay, maybe that's what it is. And the last question you're going to ask yourself as a leveler is what is off about my training? Okay, what is off about my training? And that's why I paused in working with Hawk. I said, okay, so there's something in the dog or in the environment I can't see. Possibly. There's got to be something off with my training. That's the only other thing. So until I figured it out, I just stopped doing the training that I was doing. More specifically, I was working on sit. So I just did other things while I tried to figure out, okay, what's going on? What what's happening? but I took the responsibility for myself that's what a leveler does and when I found out that it was my dog's leg right my dog's leg is responsible for him not wanting to sit because he's uncomfortable what can I do about it and then we moved into that right whose fault is it actually is it because Hawk is getting older or is it because we didn't do as much physical warm up before running and he injured himself what could it have been it could have been 800 things what can I do to change the outcome? Can I do exercises? Can I get him doing some push-ups and squats on some fit pause equipment? I can do that. I can strengthen up the leg. Is there something going on in my dog or environment I can't see? I can't see the muscle, but I can measure the muscle. Right? I I can measure how well he does based off how well he responds to the training, to the conditioning and exercise. And then what is off about my training? How can I always progress and keep him healthy and successful through training how do you get to this leveler kind of status how do you how do you get to this mindset besides those questions which are those questions i want you to ask yourself all the time now whose fault is it actually what can i do to change the outcome is something going on with my dog or the environment that i can't see and what is off about my training there's three steps to getting to the leveler status there's three steps to getting to the level of status. Number one, think. You're going to stop and think. Don't just keep barreling through life. I want you to pause completely and think about what you're doing. Number two, take responsibility. You have to take on the responsibility. Otherwise, there's nothing you can do about it. And if you can't do anything about it, what was the point of thinking about it? Right? What's the point of training? What's the point of working with your dog? If, oh, well, this just that's how my dog is. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help your dog and it doesn't help you. So you have to take on the responsibility and then you need to take action. If you just take on the responsibility, you're going to be a placator. If you just think, you're going to be a computer. You have to take action in order for it to be meaningful. And you have to take action toward solving the problem. <laughs> if you do not solve the problem, you are not a leveler. Thank you guys for listening today. Please let me know what you want me to talk about on the podcast, I'd love your suggestions. You can let me know on social media or email me at matadorcanine.com. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.